Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert, who returns to the show after, I don't know how long it's been, maybe like six weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I don't really remember. But the point is, he is back with us today to preview week three for fantasy football. We've got news to talk about. We'll be talking some trades, saying giving some buy lows and sell highs that you should consider for your fantasy league. Then be talking big questions, starter sit and booms and busts, just like the last couple weeks. Chris is back, and I'm sure all of you have been waiting for the return yeah. he's eventually gonna was gonna make to the show. And yeah, he's coming on as a guest for this one. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Chris, are you excited to be back? I am very excited to be back, Calvin. And I'm excited because fantasy football season is finally back and rolling, but I'm annoyed because Brandon IUP is doing absolutely awesome. Yep. There goes one of your bold takes right out the window. And we're gonna talk about Brandon Ayuk on today's show. Um, in I guess the uh which segment, big question segment. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, again, we're going to start off with some news. I've had fun doing the solo shows and having some guests, but it hasn't been the same, Chris, without you on here. And I think the plan is in three weeks from today, or maybe three weeks from yesterday, the release of episode 100 comes out. And is mm-hmm. the plan that you're going to be on that one as well? I think I should be. I'm really excited for that. Show. That's going to be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got some stuff in store for that. That's going to be fun. And then, of course, like our usual like fantasy talk. So, yeah. Uh, can't wait for episode 100 in three weeks. Ready to get started? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's get into news. Two pieces of news to talk about before we get into trade talk. Um, the first, Ben Roethlisberger reportedly is not at 100% with his pectoral injury, but he still plans to play Sunday, although he is going to have pain when he's throwing per uh oh i'm missing the first name i think that's jerry dulac of the pittsburgh post gazette i'm sorry uh if i got your first name wrong for some reason i didn't put it in this note sheet but yeah this is interesting for fantasy we also know deontay johnson's status is up in the air for the steelers this week so how does this affect the team chris if roethlisberger he's not going to be 100 it looks like he's going to play how do you think this affects the team for fantasy this week I mean, definitely sets up a really interesting situation where uh, I think they're going to have to run a little bit or rely a little bit more heavily on the run. So uh, right now, I think that that's really beneficial to Najee Harris, at least from a fantasy perspective. And uh, I mean, I also think it's going to be tough for this team to get really going on offense. And uh, I mean, with how good the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is, I think we could be in for or in store for a low scoring game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess they're playing the uh, Bengals. So, I mean, the Bengals may not need to do much. Uh, to keep up in this game. I'm Ben Roethlisberger, obviously, uh, as he gets later in his career, he's been getting the ball out quick from snap to throw, makes a lot of short throws, led the league last year, I think, in snap to throw time, the shortest out of any quarterback. And without Deontay Johnson, I think it's if the if Deontay doesn't play, which he's still questionable, um, then it's going to give a boost to Juju and Chase Claypool. But uh, yeah, overall, having a not 100% Ben Roethlisberger, um, especially since Ben Roethlisberger already has definitely had some arm talent regression throughout his career. Now that he's in his late thirties, uh, it's going to be tough for the Steelers to really push the ball downfield. So we may see a lot of Najee Harris in this game. And I think that's good because while mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's offensive line has really struggled this year, like expected, um, Najee Harris can still potentially find some running room against this, uh, Cincinnati defense that is hardly stellar. They can, can definitely be taken advantage of. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Last piece of news before we get into uh, buy lows and sell highs. Kenny Galladay is dealing with a hip issue. Uh, he's was also dealing with a hip issue for a lot of last year. I don't know if this is related to that or um, just a new minor thing, but he is was limited in practice Thursday. There's not, it's kind of murky around his situation right now. There's no indication that he doesn't plan to play Sunday. So I think we can assume that he likely will, but uh, it's still something to keep an eye on because again, he did struggle with the hip a lot last year. And so hopefully this doesn't limit him because he's coming into now by far his best matchup of the season against the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm excited for him this week. I'll talk about him in a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean that he struggled with uh, that hamstring injury or well, just the, the, uh, lower body injuries all throughout training camp. Uh, we saw him have the hamstring injury that had him questionable for week one. Uh, obviously, he rebounded well and ended up playing in that game, but now he's back with another hip issue. This has kind of been the story of Kenny Galladay's career, at least thus far, and so uh, it's definitely a concern. I mean, for a lot of players, this wouldn't be much of a concern, but for Kenny Galladay, I think it is. I still expect him to uh, just continue to uh, progress in terms of what he does for fantasies. Yeah, I'm with Calvin that uh, I think I like him moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's talk about that right now. You ready to get into trade talk? Yeah, let's do it. All right, trade talk time. We've got two buy lows and two sell highs each right here, and I just hinted at it. My first buy low is the man, Kenny Galladay himself, who has been disappointing throughout the first two weeks. But I think this is an overreaction for a number of reasons, because number one, we didn't, I don't, wouldn't say anyone really expected great things from Kenny Galladay in the first two weeks. I certainly didn't. Like you said, Chris, mm-hmm. he sat out basically all of training camp with a hamstring issue. So he didn't get to get chemistry with Daniel Jones and both Galladay and Jones have talked, have sort of expressed, Galladay especially has expressed more frustration, but it's clear from Daniel Jones's comments that they just aren't quite on the same page yet. And it didn't help with their early season schedule heading in, starting to face Denver, who has a really upgraded secondary, uh, add a lot of guys in the off season. And then the Washington football team, which has a great defense as well. But Galladay has still gotten 14 targets in the first two weeks. Uh, it's just that while he has gotten the occasional, maybe deep opportunity, he hasn't been, given the opportunity to really Daniel Jones hasn't been given the opportunity to really air it out consistently and really give Kenny Galladay a chance to get going because Mm -hmm. he isn't a separation receiver, not a route runner type of guy. He is a contested catch touchdown scoring type of player, hopefully against Atlanta with the long week of rest, they'll be able to figure it out. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a good chance that they do. And with games against Dallas and Carolina and the Raiders coming up soon after um, for Kenny Galladay, I think this is the perfect time to buy him low. The target share is there. We never expected Kenny Galladay to be good at the start of the season. So there's no need to panic right now because this is what at least I thought was going to happen. And I think what we as an industry thought as well. So it's scary for sure, but I'm still keeping Kenny Galladay in my fantasy lineup for now. Although if he doesn't produce against Atlanta and isn't clear, like clearly hobbled or anything, I think we might have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, also the concern is there. Uh, we saw him uh, yelling at offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, so he's obviously frustrated with the game plan and uh, how Jason Garrett has been using him. And we know that. I mean, Jason Garrett has been some fantasy value destroyers over the years, and, uh, you know, that's definitely a concern to watch. That's why I'm not as high on him as a buy low. I think I'm going to kind of sit on Kenny Galladay. I want to see how he does against the Falcons if he has a good week. I'm going to wait until he has one more poor week and then try and buy him. But for now, I think it's just a little bit too risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But would you say he's a hold, though, if you did have him? Yeah, I would definitely hold. Yeah. 
there's no point in selling Kenny Galladay right now. His value will never get lower than this, in my opinion. Yeah, there's definitely. really just no chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, do you want to get into your first buy low, Chris? Yeah, sure. All right, go ahead. Okay, so my first buy low is uh, Saquon Barkley, and this is because I think his workload is only going to continue to progress. Now, it does hurt. The Giants lost their uh, starting left guard, Nick Gates, and their starting right guard, Nick Gates, for uh, Nick Gates for at least eight weeks, and Shane Lemieux for the rest of the season, which really hurts this offensive line that was already thin. But uh, Saquon Barkley is talented enough that he'll still be able to uh, provide good, consistent fantasy output. And I only expect this offense to progress. They showed a lot of flashes in week two against the football team. And, I mean, Saquon Barkley is a talented player, and as his workload continues to grow, I expect him to uh, continue to develop well. Yeah, and I think there was a quote from Joe Judge earlier in the week that said it would increase now after the first couple weeks. He's got a matchup against Atlanta that's very solid this week. And, yeah, I mean, Saquon, the good thing about it is that Yes, the Giants offensive line, I think, is now arguably one of the worst in the league, especially, I mean, Nick Gates' injury, Mm -hmm. it's reported, Joe Judds had said, we're confident he'll be able to come back, but yes, it could be career-ending, is the quote, which is really sad for him. I Seeing that injury was just, I mean, you could tell right away that there was something wrong with that leg. It's really, uh, my heart goes out to Nick Gates for, um, I mean, this is really just an awful break for him. But like, mm-hmm. for as for Barkley, he really is the type of guy to just have that one big play or two big plays or three big plays, those long runs that can carry his fantasy game. So he doesn't necessarily need a consistently good offensive line. He just needs that one block at, to get to 75 yards. And he just needs to be involved in the passing game. That's the mm-hmm. thing for him, because the passing game can provide that floor for him that where if he has he's not particularly efficient in the rushing game. He's still getting catches, but he's had three catches through the first two weeks. I'd expect that to change. That's got to get higher. It has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I just, yeah, I expect them to continue to grow his workload. And I mean, there's no reason why Saquon Barkley can't develop into an Ezekiel Elliott type player. I mean, he's definitely got the skill set. If I mean, he might even be a more talented running back than Ezekiel Elliott. Now, obviously he is running behind a worse offensive lines so that hurts him a little bit, but, uh, I think that he definitely still has a lot more to prove on the football field going into his, what is this? I think his fourth year or maybe third or fourth year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's uh, when, if he can get right and I, I still, if he can get right and get at least some help from his offensive line, he can still be great. Um, he's mm-hmm. a very talented player. He just needs to get going. Yeah. All right. Um, my second buy low is Kyle Pitts. Uh, rookie out of Florida, of course, generational talent at the tight end position. And I'm a little bit surprised to see, I feel like more people are giving up on Kyle Pitts a little early. He's a rookie. I know he's a great rookie, but expecting him to go off in his first two games just doesn't make sense. But I really think that we, it's the, the other part of it is that Kyle Pitts really has not been bad. He was the tight end seven this week on six targets for five catches for 73 yards. That's a Kyle Pitts line. If Kyle Pitts gets a touchdown this that, that last week against Tampa, I mean, it's a whole different story at how you're viewing him. And that really seems like, ooh, this is the start of something big. That's a very, like, good tight end line if he scores a touchdown. Then in week one, four receptions for 31 yards on eight targets is not the greatest, of course, but he still was second on the team in targets behind Calvin Ridley. And I think he was again in week two. He has been heavily involved. There's no questioning his talent. And I mean, even if the person in your league who has Kyle Pitts still 
values him relatively highly, which I think is probably likely, it still is worth it, in my opinion, to spend up on him. Because I think sooner rather than later, he makes the leap into that elite tier of tight ends with like a Mark mm-hmm. Andrews, with maybe a TJ Hawkinson. I probably would take TJ over Kyle Pitts. Mark Andrews versus Kyle Pitts is a little closer, but he could still easily make it into that tier. And as soon as this week, if, if he just needs to get in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And, uh, oh, yes, of course he's on here. Your second by low is uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, my favorite. And Calvin you knows I was so right. Though he struggled in week two, which I will admit, I think that there's still just a ton of potential right now for Jameis Winston. And uh, I expect the same team to get back on the right track and Jameis Winston too as well. The Carolina Panthers actually looked really good as a defense. So I think that contributed to it. We know they have some of the best safeties in the league, uh, especially with Jeremy Chin, who's really just – flourished uh in his first two years in the nfl and uh i think that james winston is extremely talented and he is just a fantasy point mass producer um i don't see what's gonna stop him and slow him down from being a really great fantasy quarterback this year if we see what we saw in week one every week then yes i agree uh but i think it might have been a little too soon to Mm -hmm. i mean but i mean what we saw in week one was top five fantasy potential. I'm not saying that Jameis Winston has top five fantasy potential, but I think he can easily find himself in the top 12. And so, yeah, he can. Uh, that's where, that's where I'm kind of valuing him at. And I think he's top 12 with, with top eight potential, maybe even top five. So definitely a buy low for me. He's someone who needs Michael Thomas back. Having five touchdowns on 20 attempts in week one really carried his fantasy week. Mm-hmm. And then now he just doesn't have the receivers to really rack up the same yardage he could a couple of years ago. He can still mm-hmm. get yardage, but not this in the same 5,000 yard season that he did in Tampa Bay, at least without Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's go to sell highs. Uh, do you want to go first, Chris, or should I? You can go first. Okay. My first sell high is Debo Samuel who surprisingly has been like the clear, clear fantasy option in San Francisco. He has been the guy you want to own in fantasy football out of San Francisco. While Brandon Ayuk has been very, very quiet. Uh, Debo had a, I think a top three wide receiver. He's currently the wide receiver three um, through two games of the season, averaging over 20 half PPR fantasy points. Um, And he's really not only filled the role of just not just being like a manufactured touch guy, he has been getting targets on all levels of the field. So he has kind of combined himself into a combination of himself from last year and Brandon Ayuk, at least so far, but we can't expect that to stay the same way. Number one, because there are still so many other options on this team. Um, Like for example, George Kittle, who I think is talented enough to where he will consistently be taking a massive target share. I don't think there should be any debate for that. Um, Debo also had a couple of good matchups against De- one against Detroit where they scored 41 points. That's not happening every week. One against Philadelphia where he did well, despite them scoring 17 points, he can still be the wide receiver one in this offense. But then we also have to consider that it's not going to be Brandon. Ayuk. no matter what you think about the Brandon, Ayuk situation, he is not going to have eight catches the entire season, which is his current pace. Now, after one catch through two weeks, um, Debo's got some his matchups are solid next few weeks, Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona. So if you want to hold on to him for a bit, I think I'd be fine with that. But overall, I don't really think that his uh, his uh, value on the trade market gets any higher than this because we've already seen the peak of what he can do. I Unfortunately, I mean, he's great. He's a great player, but I think it just goes down from here just because of the other options in this offense. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. I'm right there in agreement with you. And uh, yeah, 
it's been a fantastic start, but uh, I expect that's cooled down a little bit as things continue on. And I mean, yeah, this is the peak value right now because a lot of people see him as possibly a lead winner. And I think that you can capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so who's your first sell high? My first sell high is Cordell Patterson, who has found himself, I think it was inside the top 10 at the running back position, <laughs> which is a little bit high. And I mean, there's going to be someone in your league that I think will be a little bit too high on him. He's still not any more than a top 30 guy, in my opinion. And there are definitely going to be people valuing him higher than that. So go ahead and get his value of why it's there. Because I think that especially once Justin Fields moves into this offense, they're going to move away from using a guy like Cordell Patterson. Uh, Justin Fields? He's... Uh... I or not Justin Fields. There. Yeah. Why did I say Justin Fields? Just, it, I don't know why. Sorry. I'm, uh, I was looking down my list. Uh, oops. Justin Fields will make a surprise appearance later. But uh, yeah. So that's kind of, I just don't think that this workload is one that's going to consistently progress. Yeah. And, I mean, anyone, I don't know if he's being valued particularly high by people. I mean, it's possible. I'm sure he probably is by at least some where it's like, but you, you like he's he's going to be too inconsistent to rely on. He's always been a gadget manufactured touch kind of guy. The five receptions aren't going to be there every week for Cordero Patterson. And Mike Davis is still the starter here. And don't don't forget that Wayne Gallman's still here. Like his value may come in spurts, but if you can, yeah, I guess he's a good sell. Although I just not sure how much value you can potentially get out of him now. So don't like sell him for nothing. Um. All right. So my second sell high is Tyler Lockett. Um, so predictable, right, Chris? Oh, wait, yeah, you're on. Of your course, way. Calvin's favorite, Tyler Lockett. There he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inconsistency. Mm-hmm. This is perfect for any Tyler Lockett owner that like, like you and I, that doesn't trust his consistency though, because some people are going to be way on him. And I mean, you can take advantage of him. He's not going to be able to do this every single game. You can get mm-hmm. so much value for him right now. Yeah, this is the peak of Tyler Lockett's fantasy value. Uh, or the thing about it though, I mean, he's playing Minnesota this week. So he's currently the wide receiver two in fantasy football. He has scored three touchdowns over the first two games, caught in a lot of deep balls. We've seen this story so many times from Tyler Lockett that I beg you not to fall for it again. He's not going to do this the whole season. He just isn't. It's happened Mm -hmm. like this before, but that's not what the Seattle offense will be in the long run. Russell Wilson does not consistently support uh, oh, support a wide receiver consistently enough to do this every week. He's playing Minnesota this week, so I'm fine if you hold him. But the thing about Seattle is that they can be unpredictable. So if you don't want, if you want to take away that risk, go ahead and sell Tyler Lockett this week. Although it de- kind of depends on how your league mates maybe feel. If you're, I'm also fine waiting this week against Minnesota. I think he has a good enough game to where you can still get the same value for him. But I don't think his value goes higher than this. And then keep in mind his matchups after week three. I mean, San Francisco, yes, they have injured corners, but they still have a really good defense and good pass rush. Then the Rams, then Pittsburgh, then the Saints. That's a hard schedule. So it's going to be time to sell Tyler Lockett, if not this week, after week three. We just There's a lot of options in this passing game, and this is still going to be a run-first team, no matter how many people want to let Russ cook again. It's still going to be Chris Mm -hmm. Carson – uh, running the ball a lot. And so they, it's not going to be consistent enough in the long run. The one thing it's I will say, though, is I'm definitely higher on Tyler Lockett than I was at the beginning of the season. I'll admit that I think I was a little bit wrong and I ranked him a little bit too lowly, but definitely still not what he's being valued at right now or how he's playing right now. That's not going to be something that uh, that he uh, retains throughout the season. Yeah, and keep in mind that DK Metcalf is currently the wide receiver 35, which 
like is fun for me to victory lap since I had him so low. But at the same time, I also had Tyler Lockett low. I think DK goes up and Tyler goes down, but overall mm-hmm. both will be a little bit too inconsistent for my liking. Yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with you there. All right. So do we go to big questions? Sure. All right. Oh, uh, got to find the drop. Oh, here we go. All right, time for big, big questions. questions. Uh, oh, yes, that's that's gone. The voice is gone. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like the voice. I was never a fan of the voice. I think I like it better how you do it now, Calvin. I remember. Yeah. I we think, went from a while ago, maybe like almost half a year ago, four months ago. We had these drops that I really didn't like. I finally told Calvin that I didn't want them, and so we just removed them all together. And now I've come back, and they're back, but much better. I like them without the voice. Yeah, the voice was... It was. It didn't really work because we don't have the same. Like, I, I wish I could have had like a voice editor or something that really mm-hmm. edits a voice to make it sound cool. But it just really didn't work. So it's just the music now. Big questions. Mm-hmm. Number one: What what is going on with Clyde Edwards-Helaire? It's not been good for him. He's had twenty seven carries over the first two games, but he just hasn't been very efficient and only has had three catches throughout the season so far. Um, people, a lot of people are jumping ship on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which I mean, not really rostering him in my leagues, maybe kind of helps me be more neutral about this. I don't know why we're going crazy about it just yet. The workload is there. I know he's the RB 47 behind. Oh my, would you have expected Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be behind Demetric Felton after two weeks? I wouldn't have, (laughs) but I mean, that's where we are, but he's getting the workload, Chris. So what are you doing here? This is a really confusing situation, I think, but. It's, it's kind yeah, of I, I think this is kind of a hold at the moment, but I can, as this situation progresses, I'd be willing to sell. I'm just, I don't trust. I don't think he's that good of a player. Genuinely. Like, I don't know how good Kyle Bertoler is. He should be able to run all over teams. I mean, just because the Chiefs passing game opens up the running game so much, but he hasn't been able to do that. And that makes me really concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I kind of share that except, I mean, the workload is it just never going to be like, it doesn't make sense. He's in this great offense. He's a good pass catcher. It just doesn't really work out. I don't know if you can sell. I really like, who's going to want him at this point. You kind of just have to hold. I think, I don't know if he's a buy, but like, uh, what can you sell him for? He's currently not opposed to setting him on the block this week, but I don't think you're going to get the value that you'd probably be hoping to get for him. Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's really a weird situation. I don't, it's just, I don't know why, but it's, I, he isn't getting in the end zone, but he's also just not getting usage around the goal line. That's not who the chiefs are. They're not going to use this chiefs team is not going to use a running back in that way. I feel like I'm becoming more and more convinced with each passing week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm in agreement. All right. Now let's talk another confusing situation. What are we doing uh, with Brandon Ayuk after one catch through the first two weeks? I don't know. It is so confusing. He ended the season so well, and now he just has a better offense moving in. It is really confusing to me. Um, I didn't think that Dio Samuel would totally take over the wide receiver one role, but that's what it seems to be so far. And I mean, definitely don't sell Tyler Lockett. His value is rock bottom right now. Oh, you mean but, uh, Yeah. And but I mean, I mean, I don't think you're also going to be able to buy him for a good price because I think a lot of people, including me, were really high on Brandon Ayuk going into the season, so I'm not going to be willing to give him away for super cheap. So I think people are just going to end up having to hold on him. And I mean, this could go south really quick. 
Yeah, it's, it, it has to be a hold. There's no way you can sell him. I wouldn't drop him yet. I kind of talked about this, I think, I'm trying to remember. It was either last show, might have been last show on the reactions. But you can't, do, you shouldn't drop Brandon Ayuk yet because of what we saw last year, where he was like a solid wide receiver two mm-hmm. for your team for a good long while. But it's just, the reports have been so negative. I'm really, he's just not being used. Yeah. And I feel like he's a good player, but they're just not, Maybe he didn't prepare correctly for the season. I really don't know. You, the really only option is to keep him on your bench. But keep an eye on it because I wouldn't – if this happens for a couple more weeks on end and you're he's really clogging up a roster spot and, and hindering your flexibility, it might be time to drop. But not after two weeks. You can't drop. Oh, no. Definitely, I definitely wouldn't even consider dropping. I mean, that shouldn't even be a thought in your mind yet. I oh, think no. if you're – I mean – you can try and trade him, but I think he's going to retain a lot of value still, even after four weeks, if he still struggled. So I think you can still trade him, but uh, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question. How should we evaluate the Broncos backfield? Uh, I feel like there's a number of, uh, there's a number of interesting factors to consider, but Chris, what do you think about this? Mm, I mean, it's difficult. I think that Melvin Gordon has shown that he still has some life left in him, which I think a lot of people didn't expect. And I can see that the Broncos want to give the workload to Javante Williams, but I think that uh, Melvin Gordon is still holding them back. And so I think for now it's going to be tough because neither of them are going to produce great fantasy outputs, nothing more than flex value. I don't think, but uh, I mean, just hold both of them. I maybe buy Javante Williams, but uh and also, I mean, if someone is selling Drew Locke for really low because they think he's – or, I mean, Drew Locke, sorry. I'm getting my players mixed up here, Calvin. But uh, if someone's selling Melvin Gordon for really cheap, go ahead and pick him up because I think that for the next two or three weeks, he can definitely be a viable flex player, and I think you can get him for really cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is funny. Yeah, first time, first time back on the podcast in a little while, and it's just like mix-up mix up city. I mean, I feel like – I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but it's – uh, yeah, I think what you, I agree kind of what you're saying about the situation. I do think that I'm a little bit less high on Melvin Gordon than you are. I mean, Javante has already been out touching him through the first two weeks. And mm-hmm. other than one long run from Melvin Gordon, Javante has had the superior efficiency. Neither has looked particularly great just yet. Uh, but I think Javante with his second half schedule of the year is the guy you should get. I think he's a good buy candidate because I've liked him throughout the offseason and he's already like seeming maybe even a little ahead of where I thought he'd be already leading the backfield in touches. He's had 27 carries over the first two weeks. That's the same amount as Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He is getting the work. Um, it's not no question there. And I mean, in week nine on, he gets Dallas, Philadelphia, then the bye, then the Chargers, Chiefs, Lions, Bengals, Raiders, and Chargers again. That is a soft, soft schedule. It's one that he can really take advantage of like Jonathan Taylor and David Montgomery did last year. And I think mm-hmm. there's a good chance that Come this offseason, Javante Williams is valued in Dynasty like Jonathan Taylor was last offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess that's it. So do you want to move on to start or sit? Yeah, let's do it. I can't remember if I used to ask you like every time, do you want to move on? Do you want to move on? I feel like I, think you did. I, I think I did sometimes. I don't know if I did for every single one. Uh, I guess I'm just getting still getting used to uh yeah doing a non-solo show interesting but yeah it's uh been fun to have you back so far and i hope you guys who are listening enjoyed it um three start sits here and then we'll do booms busts and wrap up uh first one ryan Tannehill versus 
the Colts. This is a hard one. Tannehill last week threw for uh, 347 yards, just didn't throw for a touchdown. Then the week before against Arizona, one touchdown. Um, now against the Colts, who might not have Carson Wentz, I don't really know if this team is going to need to throw the ball. Like, I, how is Ryan Tannehill going to go get his points? He's a guy that you should still keep on your roster, and I think you'll have some matchups in the future where you can definitely start him. But right now, it just doesn't seem like he, he's really just underperformed and spin outside of the top 12. And right now he's the quarterback 23. So like how I, I'm going to sit him this week personally. I think if you have to, he's an okay start, but I think streaming guys like Derek Carr, who I'm currently starting over him, you could consider Teddy Bridgewater. Both those guys I would at least consider over Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I still like uh, Ryan Tannehill. I just think that he, uh, he, I think he's, He's talented enough, and he has the receivers. And a lot of times, these additional matchups tend to get a little heavy on the offensive side. Um, expected to be a little bit more high scoring than a lot of people think, and so I think that Frank is going to be able to produce top ten numbers, making him a start. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like a terrible start. That obviously these uh, situations are meant to be like close, but yeah, I'm gonna I would say sit. Um, Jamar Chase versus the Steelers. This is a hard one for me. The target, he, he's gotten a couple of long touchdowns. The target share has been solid, but not incredible. But I think I'm going to still start him. I'm going to change my mind here. I think the Bengals will need to throw the ball enough to where Jamar Chase is still involved. I think that, um, I mean, his deep ball ability, his explosive ability is unmatched by the other two receivers on this team. So I think he's a fine start. He's definitely on that borderline for me. If you're looking for a safe option, maybe not like I might start like Marvin Jones over him, but I mean, I love Marvin Jones as you'll see in the boom segment. So, uh, but yeah, I think Jamar chase is a fine start this week. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm right there in a block step with you. I mean, he's got a ton of talent and he's shown that he's going to have a nice role in this offense. And I mean, Jamar Chase is a big play waiting to happen, and I think that that's what could easily happen against the Steelers, and uh, that big play ability just makes him an easy start for me. Uh, I'm not really thinking about this one too much. He's been great so far, impressive workload for a rookie, and I don't see any signs that he's slowing down just because he's facing a tough defense. I mean, I think he's talented enough to still get himself open, and uh, he's so good with those contested catches. Ben Roth, or I mean, uh, and Joe Burrow, I think it's going to really lean on him in this game especially. Remember when everyone was whining in training camp about how he wasn't catching ball? He was dropping the ball. From oh, crazy. Same thing <laughs> happened to Justin Jefferson last year. Yep. And I had him as my wide receiver 16, Jamar Chase. So give me that. Uh, I mean, if he keeps doing this, he will be right on track to finish there or higher. Uh, so mm-hmm. very happy about that. It's it's funny. I, every, I wonder if is this going to happen every year with a receiver where it's just a fade for like no it good could. reason? Yeah, it really genuinely could. could. I mean, it's this trend that we've seen continued so far. Mm -hmm. But yeah, both Chase and Jefferson are great so far. Uh, Mm -hmm. Number three, DJ Chark versus the Cardinals. I wrote sit on the sheet, but this is like the um, this is such a hard one for me because there's so many like this. I'm right on the borderline. So, Chris, can you try to convince me one way or the other? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with DJ Chark. I don't trust his workload right now. I mean, I'll be honest. There's a lot of competition from LaVisca Chanel and Martin Jones, but I think that Trevor Lawrence has shown that his two that he tends, especially on the deep balls, to lean towards DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. Uh, so I'd say it's close, but, I mean, I think he's a start for me. He has a lot of potential. This is going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, we saw a Vikings team that, I mean, 
a guy like Justin Jefferson struggled in week one and Thielen didn't have a great week one and Kirk Cousins even didn't have a great or in a solid week one, but not a great one. And all of a sudden that offense burst for uh, 30 points should have been 33. And uh, I mean, you know, I think that this offense is going to rally and the Jaguars are going to have to score a lot of points if they're going to keep up. And I think that they'll be able to do that. I expect this game to be a little bit closer than a lot of people think, but uh, I mean, obviously I expect the Cardinals to come out with the win, but I think it'll be close. And so uh, definitely intriguing, but I mean, I think that DJ Chark has enough potential to find his way into most starting lineups. Yeah, it's, it's so close. He's not a bad start, but I think, and I know Arizona is going to end up scoring a lot of points, but I don't trust this offense and Trevor Lawrence right now enough. Trevor Lawrence has been quite erratic through the first few weeks of the season. Chark had something like, I think it was like four catches on like 12 targets in week one, something crazy. Mm -hmm. Then like one catch on four targets in week two. Marvin Jones is clearly the, I think by now we know throughout training camp in the regular season, he has been the favorite target of Trevor Lawrence, but scoring 13 points against the Broncos last week and Arizona's defense is really like no slouch, especially with Chandler Jones right now, just being an absolute force on the edge. Uh, It's, it's hard to start DJ Chark because it's a, a too much risk. I feel like for not enough potential reward, I don't see a massive game from coming from DJ Chark. So I'm going to stick with my original sit pick, although it's so close for me. Mm. Yep. Uh, I, I can see where you're coming from just because there's a lot of competition and I know that you're really high on Marvin Jones going into this week, but yeah, uh-huh. I'd say it's certain. Yeah. Marvin Jones is a beast. All right, let's get into yeah. booms and busts. Two booms and two busts for each of us. First guy for me is someone we've kind of already talked about. Saquon Barkley versus the Falcons. Again, the team has committed, at least Joe Judge has said, that an increased workload is coming. And against Atlanta, I think the Giants can get up early and run the ball. And even if they aren't up early, I think this is the week where Saquon Barkley starts to get passing game work. Daniel Jones looked very good last week. Hoping he can continue that. And I think if Barkley gets a long run or two, he will be fantastic. I think he's a guy you have to plug in your lineup. He will be an RB1 this week and possibly top five, even maybe even top three in terms of overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if he gets a good workload, which I expect him to, uh, he's going to be able to do a lot of a lot with it against this poor Falcons defense. So definitely a, a big boom candidate. I'm right there with you, Calvin. If you hadn't already put him down, I probably would have had him down. Mm-hmm. All right, so your first is uh, Robert Woods. Yeah, Robert Woods. Um, he's facing the Bucks, and I expect this one to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think that this is finally game. I mean, Bruce Arians obviously going to be concerned about Cooper Cup, who has been playing incredibly well this far, and I think that's going to really open up the game for Robert Woods to perform well. And uh, yeah, I, I expect this one to be a lot higher scoring and produce a ton of fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think th- one thing I thought earlier in the offseason was that I always thought that Robert it didn't make sense that Robert Woods was a consensusly higher ranked wide receiver than Cooper Cup. Um, I think that th- doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to be good, though. You're right. This game against the Bucs is going to be high scoring. He has underperformed the first two weeks, but the fact is he's the clear wide receiver, too, in an offense with a good quarterback in Matthew Stafford, and this game should be a shootout. The Rams have looked great so far. So, yeah, I don't mind this pick at all. Obviously, the Major boom pick would be Cooper Cup, but that one's a really obvious one. So Robert Woods can, I think both Cup and Woods can perform this week. My second mm-hmm. boom pick is Marvin Jones versus the Cardinals. He will get absolutely peppered with targets this week. 
Um, six receptions for 55 yards on in a score on 11 targets last week. The week before, five for 77 in a score on nine targets against Houston. Now he gets the Cardinals. Uh, not at least somewhat exploitable secondary in a game where this team's going to need to pass. Marvin Jones is the Jacksonville wide receiver of choice. Always has been too. It's so stupid how he was going um, last in the Jackson third out of the three Jacksonville receivers. But my bold take right now so far that Marvin Jones will lead Jacksonville receivers and fantasy points is looking real good. So mm-hmm. excited for that. Yeah, one. It sure is. All right. So yeah, Marvin Jones is a boom this week. Uh, Oh yeah, you have one more boom, and then we can get into bust category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my last boom is Lamar Jackson facing the line, but I know he's already ranked around the consensus with QB four. But I expect him to be the QB one in this game. It's going to be one that's high scoring, and one that Lamar is also going to be able to scramble all over the place. I expect this offense to absolutely ignite versus this Lions team and continue uh, the really good showing they had against the Chiefs last week. So. Uh, Definitely an exciting game to watch. And just for if you want to see offense, then I think Lamar is going to be at the forefront of it. He's been playing well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lamar is the quarterback four so far through the first two weeks of the season. But yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to make it a boom, go ahead and make it the top quarterback overall on the week. Mm-hmm. It could be Lamar Jackson. I mean, do you think yep. this is the week where I'm Mark Andrews, who's been a bit underwhelming, is, is this a boom week for Mark Andrews? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think it is. Sounds I think this good. is where he... Maybe not a full-on boom, but I think he can go for 12 to 15 points. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's do our busts. Um, my first guy here is James Robinson versus the Cardinals. The game script for the Jaguars has just been so weird. And um, a lot of J- – yes, James Robinson got a lot of touches last week, but that was partially because in their 20 to 3-13 thir- to 13 loss, their first drive was like an 83-yard march down the field, which used James Robinson heavily. Then after that – it was kind of hard because they were behind for a lot of the game. I expect Arizona to start out and get ahead first, which is going to make the difference here. It's not, I don't think James Robinson reaches the same amount of touch as he had last week. And urban Meyer is just so frustrating with his usage of James Robinson. It's mm-hmm. hard to get him going. He's going to bust this week. Unfortunately, it's just uh, maybe a buy low window opens, but it's not the same James Robinson of last year, which is unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm kind of in agreement with you, but I wouldn't call him a, a bust for me just because of how great the matchup is. Okay. Um, all right, who's your um, first bust? My first bust, this is really sad because I think that Justin Fields is going to be a successful NFL quarterback, but week one he's starting against, out against the Browns who have an extremely underrated secondary and a really good pass rush. And one of the biggest problems for Justin Fields has been that pass rush and making decisions under pressure. And I expect the Browns to dial up a lot of blitzes and uh, – I mean, I think that that's just going to get to him. First NFL game facing a really good pass rush, rush, which is what he struggles most with, obviously nerves. He's going to be trying to make plays to impress the coaches, and I think that, that, that he's going to struggle a little bit and throw a few picks maybe, and uh, that could be his downfall against the Browns. So I think I expect this game to be a blowout too. Yeah, I think for Fields, it's, he's not going to get a good quarterback week based on passing alone. Like that's a fact. He's going to have to mm-hmm. run for a touchdown and probably a good amount of yards too to get a good quarterback week this week. It's so mm-hmm. it's, I, I can understand it being like too risky of a bet to make, especially yeah. since it's like his first, basically his first major NFL action other than the half last week. Um, mm-hmm. My second guy is Miles Gaskin versus the Raiders. It's really weird to say, but I think with Jacoby Brissett um, on the Dolphins, starting for the Dolphins this week with Tua Hurt, and the Dolphins losing 35 nothing to the Bills last week. I don't like it for Miles Gaskin. The team showed that while they will use Gaskin in the lead role when they're in games, when they're not, 
it, in the second half and they're down big, it's going to be Salvin Ahmed and Malcolm Brown. So Gaskin had like five or six touches last week in total. So I think the Raiders will actually get ahead in this game. And it's just not, Brissett looks really awful last week. Um, he can be okay, but he's just not the type of guy that I want, like supporting my fantasy football running back. I don't see any ceiling for Miles Gaskin this week. He is a bust. Yep. All right. Last guy before we wrap up. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. My last guy is Daryl Henderson in this because I just, I think that this Bucks defense is going to be stifling. I think that if the Rams are going to have a chance, they're really going to have to pass a lot in this game because the Bucks' defensive line is extremely good. It's very underrated. Uh, even in the new rookie, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. He's shown a ton of talent, and uh, I expect him to be a big factor in this game. And that's just going to limit Daryl Henderson. That's why I have Robert Woods as a big boom because I think they're going to have to pass and turn away from the run. All right. Um, yeah, Henderson's actually been surprisingly good over the first couple of weeks. But, yeah, I understand that pick. I'm just a little bit, I was already starting to, I'm starting to think that maybe I was a little bit too low on Henderson throughout the off season. So I'm a little wary of picking against him now, but yeah, I understand it for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. That's the end of the show. Um, thank you, Chris, for joining. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he doesn't really post, but you can do so at Chris. Yeah, I'm not supposed to act to the person on Twitter, but you can still follow me because when I do post, you'll be there to see. Yeah, turn notifications on. If I do post, it's going to be important. Yeah, if you can turn notifications on, he won't be the one to spam you with notifications about Mm -hmm. his tweets. Yeah, it'll be important. You'll get the important notice. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. Uh, You can follow the podcast for updates at SGF pod. At SG Sports Talk is the live YouTube show. Keep an eye out in three weeks for episode 100 with Chris again. Uh, It's good to have you back, Chris. I'm glad you were able to. It was really fun to to be back on the show. So. Mm-hmm. yeah exciting and i had a lot of fun so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time